Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan with another episode of the Influence Continuum. Today, I have a very special guest, uh, Dr. Tony Atwood. Uh, Tony is the world authority on autism and especially Asperger's. I had the opportunity of attending one of his trainings years ago when he came to Boston. His office is in Brisbane, Australia. And I recently reached out to him with the intent to talk with him and then set up a recording for the podcast. But uh, he was anxious to just do the interview. So I hit the, the record on Zoom. And we just leapt right into a wide variety of different topics related to understanding the mind of folks who are on the spectrum. And in particular, uh, my concern and his concern that that people could be more vulnerable and susceptible to being radicalized or recruited into a mind control cult. And in this episode, we covered a number of very interesting topics. I found it utterly fascinating. And uh, I even asked him about Elon Musk um, because I've been so concerned about what an outsized influence he has since he purchased uh, Twitter and whether there was any chance of trying to find a way to talk with him to get him to reevaluate. I very much appreciated Dr. Atwood responding so favorably when I showed him a chart of my influence continuum. And he talked about how valuable it was to be able to have something where folks on the spectrum can visualize the difference between ethical and unethical influence. We covered so many incredible topics, and all you need to do is Google Tony Atwood, A-T-T-W-O-O-D, plus autism, and see that he is considered to be one of the masters of, uh, of this topic. And uh, we really need to come to grips with the fact that neurodiversity is a good thing, that so many people are brilliant contributors because they think out of the box and are not neurotypical. Uh, I just found this interview utterly fascinating. Hope you enjoy it. And let's leap in. Uh, one of the things I, I've noticed is that if there is a recruitment to an extremist organization, it tends to be right wing. Yep. Because I think of the the black and white authority, the black and white, sorry, I wasn't being racially, I mean, right. thinking very black and white, uh, and in extreme religious groups. So there's no gray areas. There are absolutes. And it's appealing to have the absolutes because you don't have to ponder the gray areas and it becomes automatic. It gives you a, a script of what to do and say and an association with a connection of people that uh become very important to the individual and they just feed off each other. Yeah. Right. 
But one of the things I learned, may I call you Tony or would you yeah, like to call you Dr. Atwood? Call me Steve, please. Yeah. So when I researched the cult of Trump, what I came to understand is that there were authoritarian cults that were yes. manipulating Trump and who were bringing their followers. And there was a whole deliberate psychological warfare situation happening from Putin, from the Christian yes. right wing from the neo-Nazis, people who want to destroy democracy, people who want to destroy the separation of church and state and be against gay rights and indigenous rights and women's rights. So that's why I think the right wing is so aggressively recruiting because it's part of a plan. Yes, it is. I, I, I don't want to be a sort of conspiratorial uh, person, but I, I am concerned. My, my view of America, America has more to fear from its own people than any other nation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is unfortunate, but true. Yeah. So I, I wanted to reach out to you because um, Aspies, I believe, are being targeted and people like Elon Musk are appealing to them that they're the new species, they're the new, mm -hmm. the future of humanity. And he really is not pro-democracy and he's in, interested in what's called long-termism and social Darwinism. And so what if three quarters of the planet starves to death? Or the or the ecology, you know, goes down. The yes. And um, and I'm 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 reaching out to you because he has to know who you are. <laughs> I, in uh. my opinion, there's no question. You know, if he goes on Saturday Night Live and says I'm an Aspie, he's got to know the expert on on he, Asperger's. He is. Okay, I I have some more thoughts as as a specialist in autism and Asperger's. And that is, we've always known for a long time that an autistic person has difficulty reading the thoughts, feelings, intentions of other people. Right. But comforts themselves by their intellect and finds emotions within other people and themselves difficult to perceive and regulate. Right. And so this means that often there is a rejection and denigration of compassion and empathy as a personality fault, almost like a personality disorder, mm -hmm. that if you show compassion, you're weak. Mm. And the whole idea that you are there to support other people is enough a curse to that way of thinking because it implies compassion and feeling for other people, and that is something you can't relate to. Mm. That's so spot on. And it mm. was you you stated it so articulately. Um the 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 interesting thing that I've been toying with in my own mind is when I have done work with, with folks on the spectrum, they absolutely adore my influence continuum model, okay. ethical to unethical. Yes. And I have uh, the bite model, which is behavior control, information, thought, and emotional control yes. variables. And the more of those, like controlling sleep, controlling clothing, controlling mm -hmm. language, it's then the more authoritarian and destructive. 
And because it's a map, it seems like folks on the spectrum just like they love it. It just gives them a framework for how do we evaluate. It, it what, what you've done is you created a visualization. It's something that they can take a mental photograph of. And in Temple Grandin's, Grandin's visual thinking, if you can see it, you're more likely to understand it. So it allows that person to explore aspects that would normally be incoherent or confusing in their mind. Right. But to have it so something you can see and the logic of it and how the model fits together is quite uh, a revelation and revealing for an autistic person. Yeah. Yeah. And it and it helps them navigate what you know, what's ethical and what's not ethical. Uh, yes. Like informed consent is ethical and lying yes. by by overlying withholding information or or distorting it is not ethical. Yeah, but but that leads into all sorts of issues. The assumption that autistic people don't lie, which is apparent, yes, if you're a preschooler, that they are self-appointed revealers of the truth, but then can discover how to lie. Mm. but tend to do it in a way that they have a blank poker face. And, the, and I've known a number of autistic individuals have become multimillionaires because of poker, mm. because the other player can't read their facial expressions. Fascinating. Yeah, and, and it's not as though you're not against the casino because the casino just takes a cut. Right. So it's not stacked. It's you and the other players, and the other players can't read them because the face is so still. And their gestures are so still, so it can be a very successful career. I'm not I do not recommend to parents. Right. You teach your son or daughter to play poker. Right. That's fascinating. So I'm worried about the state of our planet. I'm mm -hmm. worried that people are being polarized around the world. I'm worried about these right wing groups with self appointed prophets who say, "I get direct revelations from God," and God yes. said Trump won the 2020 election, and therefore he did, despite yeah. all evidence. And I wanted to know from you what your thoughts might be for how to message this in a way that might be more effective than what I've done, been doing. Well, it, it's tricky because the world is moving in an increasingly intolerant and um, self-centered way uh it's the me 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 generation i want yeah. it now i'm not prepared to suffer i have my rights i have my expectations and so in that move in that simple way of looking at things it can be very appealing to an autistic person because you don't have to look at different perspectives different outcomes etc one of the things that we've been doing research on in autism is the intolerance of uncertainty. And some of these organizations give you certainty. We know there's All a confidence which is very comforting. Yes. yes. So they, they provide certainty and connection and all sorts of things. And the trouble is the autistic person doesn't necessarily fit the FBI's profile of a terrorist. But unfortunately, they're likely to be a lone terrorist. Right. And there was the instance in 
Norway, of and uh, and Anders. I've forgotten his name. Anders right. Brevet. No, I I remember that one, but there are others that have yes. been lone terrorists. Exactly. Yes. And and shooting the youth of the socialist movement, the Labour Party equivalent in 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 Sweden, highly innocuous group of people. Right. And then went around killing them, and right. continues to think that he was right to do so. So the view of right is on my side is very appealing to somebody who doesn't want to question what's happening. It's right. blind obedience. This is what happened in Nazi Germany. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. And uh, I just interviewed a historian who did a book about the Nazis' infiltration into the U.S. in the 1930s to keep the U.S. out of World War II and, and to uh, keep the U.S. from coming to the aid of the Jews. And um, so I have an interview with him. And there was literally an espionage agent who did a dissertation on mind control at the University of Munich in 1932. Yes. And he basically was saying you sidestep, you know, reason and you appeal to people emotionally. And he was recruiting yes. white supremacy militia to do a violent coup in the United States in 1940. Yeah. So I, th I think that such individuals are always with us. The question is that they're going to seize their opportunity. When the wind is in the right direction, mm. they will pull up the sail and off they go. But the problem is it's going to be of great concern to all other people that they're moving it in a direction of confrontation within the country and between countries. Right. The outcome is either civil or international war. Both. I think they yeah. want both. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, both Russia and China at the moment would like the United States to have an internal civil war because oh, then they, they are so obsessed with that. They can then take over Taiwan, Ukraine or wherever they want to go. Yeah, but they also get to tell their people, look at the United States. They're letting people go in with assault rifles and shoot their children up. We keep you safe. Yes. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. Especially in China, yes. Yeah, and the Chinese brainwashing programs are being used on Muslims and Christians and anyone else who doesn't identify as a Han Chinese. Yeah. Now, it's interesting going back to what you were saying, that on the one hand, the neurodiversity movement is very much towards the positive qualities of the autistic person. Right. And you could say in a way that Elon Musk is promoting the qualities of an autistic person. But then the question is, what are his values? And that's what the part that concerns me. Yep. But I, for sure, Aspies are highly regarded in the, uh, the fight against the liberal you know, cult mm. of Soros, you know, the, yeah. the gays and all of that. Yes, it, it's that self-righteous, keep using the term right, but self-righteous. It, it unfortunately, that belief that I am right. And a part of autism that is very difficult for the person to cope with is the concept of, of compromise. And that can be very difficult because 
there's almost an intolerance of compromise because I must win at all costs. Mm -hmm. And that can lead to all sorts of problems that they're not prepared to change their decisions on the basis of new information. It's almost as though once a decision has been made, it's locked in. Mm. And I can't change my decision because to do so would imply that I was wrong in my first decision. Fascinating. So it's very uh, black and white, concrete thinking. That's it. It is now part of the criteria for autism is inflexibility, cognitive inflexibility. Mm-hmm. And so what you've got is somebody who can't change their beliefs according to what they experience subsequently. So what's your guess if Elon Musk was listening to you describe this? What is your guess of how he would react to your description globally about folks? I, I, I don't know how he would react because my, my concern is on the one hand, thank you for promoting autism. I think that's great. But on the other hand, is that encouraging autistic people to become part of a group that are intolerant of alternative ways of thinking. So um, I just can't imagine he doesn't know about you and your work. So I'm just, I'm wondering if the visualization of the influence continuum and the bite model, if you talk about it generically as something that could really help folks on the spectrum to navigate whether or not he would take that more seriously. I, I really don't know. I mean, he will have his own agenda and he is what I call the Frank Sinatra syndrome, my way. Mm. And I'm going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And everyone around me are my servants to do what the master orders. Now, this can occur in an autistic family where the autistic son becomes very arrogant and autocratic and sees other family members almost as personal servants mm. to do what the master orders. And when parents may object to where they're going and what they're doing, even if they find out, their opinions have little value for the autistic person. I must do what I want to do. Your reaction to it is not going to inhibit what I'm going to do. Help, help, help. I'm I'm a solution seeker. I'm trying to think how, you know, how can, how can we save democracy and human rights and rule of law and. Okay. Okay. I think we've got various levels here. First of all, if we take the family level, And that is to encourage parents to check where the person is going on the internet if they're very secretive. They would only be secretive if they don't want you to know where they're going. Often parents are concerned about pornography, especially child pornography. That's a separate issue. Right. But there can be access to extremist sites and they need to know about that. Yes. Uh, They then need guidance in how to cope with this person. Mm 
Secondly, the law enforcement agencies need to be aware that this is a concern and to monitor that. Now, when a person has autism, it's not in British terms what we call mens rea. That is, you're insane. The person is not insane. They are responsible for their actions. Right. But the question is mitigating circumstances and sentencing. So they need to be aware that this is a group that is being recruited, that they're very difficult to to find, but they may do something really quite tragic. But the judicial system and the criminal justice system needs to recognize that this is a possibility. Right. Um, it also means that there are the, the, the individual, um, we hope the law enforcement agencies are monitoring the communication between such groups and and then identifying some that may be in observation they will have autistic characteristics often loners at school and so on often bullied and teased and and see this as i suppose revenge or to go against certain people right but then the society's um, view that the groups that the autistic person is joining is gaining strength as time goes by. And 1939 in the United States, December 41, um, it are crucial times with the realization that this has got out of control. And that's what happened in Germany. It was a slow process. Yes. But the democratic system was eventually dismantled and totalitarianism occurred. Yep. And the death of 50 million people. Yes. Yeah, no, exactly. And and it was done legally because they took over the law and they threatened all the other people who was. Oh, I don't think it up. was actually voted in. Actually, not not total majority, but ah, it was actually right. voted in. So it, it was initially a democratic process that got him in and then he dismantled the democratic exactly. process. Yeah, exactly yeah. what Trump wants to do to get yeah. back into power. So, so uh, I, all I can say is this is a, a, a shared concern that we have. Um, I experience it from the clinical point of view of getting emails from people all over the world where the authorities have identified this. Parents were unaware of it and they're horrified right. with what was going right. on. Um it, it's difficult because you don't want, as, as happened in Nazi Germany, of people being reported for unacceptable beliefs, shall we say. Yeah. In other words, if a school picks up that this particular student in discussions in history or English is uh, proposing extremist views, should they report that to the FBI? Well, there's a lot of ethical issues associated with that. Um so it's a very difficult legal, moral, and world problem. Yes, agree. May I ask, I know that your time is precious. I have one more area to ask your expertise on. Mm. I want to shift focus, if I may. Um, I don't know. Do you know Isabel Aino? In ah, I know Isabel Aino very well. Great. So I met her. I did a workshop with her at that AANE conference that you, uh, where we met, 
and she has a clinic that deals with sexology yes and folks on the spectrum would you share your thoughts about young people on the spectrum who are suddenly thinking that they're the other sex or they're detransitioning or th there's a lot of confusion and her team she has a team approach she told me where they do a very strict you know interview process to assess where the young person is and they they are very careful to explore and not rush to yes. hormones words, and surgery if that person wants to change gender it was not a decision that was taken lightly in other words there was a lot of deep thought what i tend to find in autism is during puberty and early adolescence, we would expect for all individuals to explore the concept of self. I'm no longer a child, I'm going to be an adult. Who will I be? What sort of a person do I want to be? Mm -hmm. Who do I admire? And what you can get if a typical teenager's it was they will take on board and play with personalities mm -hmm. and, uh, of their friends and various people to try out, like new clothing, to try it out. Is this me? Is this what I'm going to be? But what happens with a typical individual in the concept of who I am? It's usually done at a very, as a very brief process, not very deep, but with friends to be more objective. Mm -hmm. In autism, you are more alone. Your sense of self has been affected by feeling different since you were six, seven, eight years old. So you really do feel different, but you don't know why I'm different. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in a philosophical sense, there's existentialism. Jean-Paul Sartre and others of who am I? What's the purpose? But they tend to do that at a deeper level than others mm. as a solitary experience and may explore concepts of self that others may hold that for a second or two. No, no, I know. I'm a girl. I'm a boy. No, no, no. Where they may question it mm -hmm. in terms of who am I and where do I fit in? And that may be starting a curiosity and then exploring further via the internet and connection. And one of the things that can occur is that if you announce in certain groups for changing gender that you're thinking about that, you are welcomed, you are encouraged, you have connection. And that right. can be quite elusive in your high school right. and very intoxicating that there's a group of people who are very for you. It also means that what happens today is, um, for example, uh, my actually autistic granddaughter, there was a friend of hers, and she's nine, nine, ten, a girl who wants to become a boy. And my daughter said, oh, that's right. And my granddaughter said, mom, mom, she's allowed to do that. She can. And what it means is that the peer group are supportive. 20, yeah. 30 years ago, if you wanted to change gender, oh, social suicide. Yes. Absolutely. But today, good on you. Yeah, if you want to do that, that's fine. We're with you because parents don't like it. Right. It's like having long hair for the Beatles. Guilty. Yeah. So, <laughs> I had long hair. My parents yes, hated so, so it. So did I. I'm just delighted to have it. And so what you've got is a, an issue of 
concept of self. And that's what with my friend and colleague, Michelle Garnett, we're exploring further for autistic teenagers. Uh, we call it being me, the authentic self, and it's okay to be different. Mm -hmm. And so what I explore with someone who's changing gender is how would life be different if you change gender? And where did the original decision to change gender come from? And often it's to resolve a problem. Mm. And then it's going through that changing gender is a potential solution. Absolutely. But there may be other solutions, but that's that flexible thinking, which can be difficult to consider. Mm. So it's, it's a very complicated area because there is almost an evangelical approach by some that this is something that is their right and, and should be allowed. And the medical profession knows it can do this, but yeah. isn't really considering the ethics of what's being done. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a tricky one. Very tricky. And I've, I've actually met people who uh, detransitioned and they, you know, were on the spectrum. And it really was exactly what you said. They found themselves binge watching a YouTube of somebody who was transitioning, immediate kind of love bombing of, oh, you're thinking you may be the other gender. You mm -hmm. must be because you're thinking of it. And it, yes. it starts a slippery slope. It does. And it's it swept up in the momentum of what's going on. And this really links to recruitment into extremist organizations. Yes. In a way. And again, autistic individuals are vulnerable and gullible. And that's my concern. And often choosing to do things without a social network to ground the person and to look at things more objectively mm -hmm. because if they are going to right-wing uh, sites if you have a group of friends at school and you say what you're doing oh no don't do that because that you know you know and and, and you're oh really yeah yeah, right. yeah. And, and you will have an alternative opinion here the person there's no alternative voice Exactly. And that is of concern. So it's the loneliness is a major factor in the recruitment process. Yes. And I, this young man that we did an intervention with met somebody while video gaming. And we now know through neuroscience that your brain starts acting as if it's a friend, even though you have no idea who's on the other side uh, yeah. of the video game. And then from there, he got recruited. Come join me over here. I want to introduce you to some friends. And that got him into this violent extremist group. Yes. And the key word would be friends. Yeah. And, and my first case, uh, cult case with someone on the spectrum, very briefly, um, it was a referral from a psychologist working with this young woman. She got into this Bible cult here in Boston. And we had numerous sessions, and she really liked me, and we were really bonding. And what helped her was I said to her, you know, if you tell your friends in the church that you like me and you're reading my book, they won't be your friend anymore. She said, oh, no, of course they'll be my friend. <laughs> And I said, 
the thing about yeah. cults is they'll it's conditional upon obedience and doing what they tell you. And if you tell them that you like a critic of their group, and, and that's what woke her up was they're not really my friends because I know you're a good person, Steve, and I like what I'm learning from you, and you predicted it correctly, and that yes. is what woke her up. It is, and, and what needs to be there is, is a process, and I don't know whether eventually high schools can include education in this area. Uh, as much as they may have education in consent, that is in a sexual sense. Yeah. That's going to be important. Uh, it's also to look at the ethics as part of the school program. Right. In regard to, it is very tempting on the internet. It, it's the point of education is to prepare you for adult life. In adult life, if you're not careful, you may be contributing to uh, a group whose motives may be questionable. Right. And so maybe looking at schools to give some degree of broad education in that um, and to be aware that there are various approaches and that it isn't just black and white. Yeah, but you also gave me an idea that at high schools, they could create pods of students where people are all included where mm -hmm. they they have each other's back and they can do reality testing together. If somebody's yes. interested in going to a website, if there's a structure to try to create a social group, in other words, maybe. I think it would be, for teenagers, it would have more power if it was from the peer group rather than the teachers. Good point. Um, because there is a reaction against ageism. <laughs> and and so it's it's more having the uh, peer group being able to argue with that person, and they're more likely to accept peers than adults. Right. Fascinating. Um, th these were the topics I wanted to share with you. I am on a quest to update the legal system to understand how to distinguish between ethical and yes. unethical and people who've been hypnotized. Oh, that's another question I wanted to ask you because hypnosis is everywhere on the internet. There are even websites which will teach you how to sexually you know, uh, access whoever you want by using covert hypnotic techniques. Talk about uh, folks on the spectrum and hypnosis. Okay. It, it, from my clinical experience, hypnosis and autism hasn't been an automatic connection. Because in hypnosis, you are prepared to surrender your autonomy to be taken over by someone else. Not necessarily. And that can be very difficult in, in, in autism. Mm. Um, so I the in talking to colleagues who specialize in hypnosis and have tried hypnosis with autistic people they have been very difficult to hypnotize because there's a resistance interesting but that's on hypnosis what can be different is intellect and logic is going to be more effective than hypnosis interesting. and so the person is hypnotized by the logic 
not the voice and the imagination. So it is hypnosis, but it's intellectual hypnosis, not interpersonal hypnosis. So interesting. Do you happen to know the pediatrician Lawrence Sugarman by any chance? No, I don't think so. He's at Rochester Institute of Technology. He has uh, an adopted son who is on the spectrum, and he um, is also someone who's trained in Ericksonian hypnosis and has a textbook on doing hypnosis with children. So I need to talk with him about this topic. But from his point of view, it's not the old style of hypnosis where you where you just talked about where there can be resistance to, no, I'm not going to do anything you tell me to do. Yes. It's more conversational yes. and interactional. Yes. In other words, if it's going to be effective, it's going to be more subtle. Exactly. Uh, and that's what people may be exploring. And if it's done in a more subtle way, then an autistic person, again, won't be immune to it. Mm-hmm. But it is going to have to be adapted to that person's way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed there's an increasing number of folks on the spectrum who are becoming trained mental health professionals. Yes, it is. And I'm, I'm encouraging this because... Um, just because you're autistic doesn't mean to say you don't care for people. Right. But it tends to be um, at, sometimes what will happen is if you're autistic and you don't understand people, you haven't got the neurological structures to process social information, hmm. but you're smart and you observe, analyze, and imitate. That's the camouflaging group. Mm-hmm. And so from the age of three and four years old, Part of autism is looking for systems and patterns. Now, the mathematics is the study of patterns. Right. But you can also study people for social patterns. And so you look at that social situation from a distance and you analyze it and you work out what are the social rules. And so the person studies people from the preschool years, but also has a very strong sense of social justice. Mm. And so that may lead to a career in the caring professions. On my clinic list, I have four psychiatrists, for example, mm-hmm. and innumerable psychologists. And they have the ability to perceive some of the dynamics in situations. One, uh, um, yes, an, an illustration is he was diagnosed when he was about eight years old, study people. He wrote an autobiography called Raising Martians when he was about 19, 20 years old. I wrote the foreword for his book and he studied psychology and I said he became a psychologist at the age of three. He won a Churchill Fellowship to come to see the uh, clinic here in Brisbane and he sat in because he w- he'd finished his first degree and was about to start the second. And we would see a family and when the family had gone, I'd say, Okay, what did you notice? And he said, ah, did you notice when she did that and he did that? And and, and I went, I hadn't noticed that. But you're right. And so if we look at B.F. Skinner and Carl Jung, both of whom had autistic characteristics. So I I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Carl Jung, for sure. (laughs) Anyway, um, what it means is that, that there is no profession that is not possible for an autistic person, including medicine, psychology, uh, all the caring professions, teaching in particular. So there is a 
a strong sense of social justice and for those who have clear problems of being able to help. And this can be difficult because sometimes when psychologists are recruited for a clinical course and so on, um, the, the, the misconception is as a lack of empathy for other people. Right. And I, I think what you've got is a problem with cognitive and behavioral empathy, but not emotional empathy. And so the person can absorb the feelings of others, but they don't know quite what to do. But if you're doing a psychology course, it tells you. And that's exactly what you want. When people are upset or angry, it will tell you what to do. Wow, I needed that information. Hmm, fascinating. Makes perfect sense. I, I want to study with you if I had the time. <laughs> I'm coming down to uh, to Australia. I'd love to meet with you, but I I just think this is so vital to figure out because so many brilliant people on the spectrum, outrageously brilliant. Oh, yes, indeed. Most of the uh, advances in science and the arts, and we need to consider the arts too. Yes. I was interviewed in London a few weeks ago for a documentary on uh, Andy Warhol, mm. uh, who had many autistic characteristics. I've written an endorsement for a book that Beethoven had autistic characteristics. So we tend to think of science, technology, industry. But it's also uh, not only the caring professions, it's the arts. Mm. It's the ability to express yourself and thoughts and feelings through the arts, not speech. It's alexithymia. Mm. So the person can't articulate in speech, but can use the arts, playing the guitar, the piano, drawing. It can be in writing. It can be in poetry and there's some amazing poetry. So one of the biggest difficulties in autism is, how are you feeling? I don't know. Come on, tell me, how are you feeling? I don't know. In other words, I can't identify and process my feelings and put that into speech so that you will understand. Mm. Yeah, but they can write, uh, they can do a concerto perhaps or yes. draw. If you want to know Beethoven, it was through his music, not his social skills. Uh-huh. And his music was amazing. Yeah. Very emotional, too. Very. It was. Just getting back to Elon Musk, what I want is more of the Beethovens and Andy Warhols than the totalitarian. Yes, <laughs> me too. Yeah. Is there any hope for Elon Musk? Like to have a, an epiphany and realize that because I have a theory that he's being unduly influenced by others who are playing on his on on his psyche. Okay, the thing is, he he's got to discover it himself. Nobody can tell him. Mm -hmm. He won't accept that. Right. He has to self-discover what's happening. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, an, a, a situation has to arise spontaneously or whatever. Yes, and he sees it and he has a revelation rather than he accepts the wisdom of others. Interesting. That's so helpful. Thank you, Dr. Okay. Tony Atwood. Amazing. This was an amazing interview. I'm so grateful. So with your permission, I'd like to do a blog and put it on my website and share with everybody. Yep. Okay. Good. Thank you, sir. Okay. Okay. We'll Thanks. Okay. Touch. Bye. Take Bye. care.
Bye. That's it for today's episode of The Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. Theme music for the podcast is by Nasser Malik. To keep up to date with me and happenings that I think are important, please visit my website at freedomofmind.com. There you'll find in-depth articles about cults, mind control, and other relevant topics. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at cultexpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45-plus years of experience and will really help you grasp the complex web of undue influence. I have also launched a new nine-hour online course for anyone interested in a deep dive into issues related to recovering from undue influence in all forms. While this course is designed for clinicians, everyone can benefit. If you're a former member, I congratulate you for your bravery and invite you to use the hashtag IGOTOUT and join our online community at IGOTOUT.org. Remember, love is stronger than mind control. And thanks for listening.